Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt. Hello, here we are for another episode of Tax Justice Warriors, and I'm William Schmidt, Clinic Director at Legal Aid of Western Missouri. Andrew Belter, Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Wisconsin Judicare. Well, great. Good to see you again, Andrew, and it sounds like you or well actually both of us came with a, a topic to discuss so i'll turn the microphone so to speak over to you and go ahead immense frustration i think we all are frustrated right now about the irs and their phones and i'll say i understand it i i understand that they don't have enough phone operators to handle all the lines and I'm specifically talking about the practitioner priority service, something that we might call daily or try to call daily. I think I've gone through one time in the past month and even that did not go great. So I was hoping that William would have some trick, trick, tricks or tips to help me figure out how to get around this problem. But William, I hear that you had an encounter that you might be interested in sharing. Well, this was not last Friday, but the week before that. I called in to practitioner priority service, got the, I think like, yeah, the message that there were too many people calling in for that topic. And so I couldn't get through. So I actually called collections and... I think this was about 4.30 on the Friday. And so as I was going, getting through, then I got the, yeah, the, the option of a callback call and, and that would be like 30 minutes later. So I was like, well, okay, I'll start driving home. And about that time I pulled off into a, like a park on the way home into, into a parking lot there and got on the phone this was a a person with a thick accent i I think it was african but it it was it wasn't the easiest to understand what he was saying and he was asking if the person owed over ten thousand dollars or under and i frankly didn't remember but i was i was looking through the file and the one thing i found was saying like six thousand and so I thought it was under, but I think he wound up sending me, well, I, I forget which way he sent me, but then I determined, oh, yes, she owed for two years, and so it was over. And then he, so he was transferring me to someone else to work the case, and it was going to be like, then then I got the option for another callback number, and so this one was what's closer to an hour and so I was like, okay, fine, I'm heading home. Uh, I went home, went to my home office and prepped for the call, took my time and you know, made sure my wife was okay with, with delaying eating dinner. And then talked to the person on the phone and he was, he was very nice. And this, this was a follow-up that, that the person, her husband was deceased and he was asking like why I didn't have a 2848 
for the husband's estate and I was calling to get her into currently not collectible. And I was, I just said, well, the husband was deceased before I was even working with her. And so he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, we, we can get her into currently not collectible then and needs manager approval. There's going to be a notice yeah, filing a, a federal tax lien because it's over $10,000. I just need to type my notes. And so he was doing that. And when I transfer, yeah, we transfer back and then the call gets dropped. And so I need to double check that I'm, I'm pretty positive that it was submitted for manager approval by that point, but I need to confirm it and, and make sure she gets into currently not collectible status because they were levying her social security month, month after month. So I, I need to confirm that, but I, th I think by that point it was going through to submit for manager approval, but yeah, that's, that's my experience lately with calling the IRS. That was much more productive than my experience last Thursday. So I called and said, your estimated wait time is 15 to 30 minutes. I thought, okay, cool. I can just do some notes and keep my AirPods in. No big deal. Probably about 45 minutes later, someone finally picks up. And I called about five different clients because these have piled up. And I, but I, 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 was, I thought, okay, cool. I, we can do this. The first one was, I just wanted to know where her tax return was because she did the tax protection program in like November, 2020 or something. And no one knew if it was, I, this is probably the fifth time I've talked to practitioner priority service. They keep saying, we sent a release over there. Uh, it, it, should, it should be coming your way now. So that's all I wanted to check with this guy. Like, hey, has it been released yet? Can you let me know the information? An hour later, because <laughs> he, he kept not knowing what to what he was doing. And this poor guy just, I guess they couldn't, they didn't take great notes. And I just, and he, I mean, he, he tried hard. I'll, I'll give him that. And I appreciate that. But an hour later, I, I, I just said, look, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, go to Taz on this one because we don't know where it is. So that was an hour and 45 minutes for sort, sort of nothing, you know? And then the second one, that was the second one. I got to look real quick. I didn't come prepared, so I don't have it, it all memorized. The second one was trying to figure out if this guy's tax refund, our first stimulus payment was actually mailed back or returned easy easy one again and took took only like 10 15 minutes normal normal amount of time he said look it, it was sent back you'll have to file a 2020 tax return thought cool now we're making some progress the next one i wanted to put into cnc status but then this guy says my my computer's starting to shut down and you're going to have to call back. And I, I thought, what? What is going on? So I even asked him, I said, well, well what, one, one quick CNC. This is going to be real quick. He doesn't work. Like We, we can just do this. He said, oh, no, no, my, my computer's shutting down. You're, you're going to have to call back. I'm losing. He sees that something about losing operations. 
I think he just wanted to go home because it was near the end of the day, to be honest. So I got through two cases in about two hours and 15 minutes. And then the guy hung up on me. Well, nicely, he ended the conversation because his computer was shutting down. And was did I call back? No, I'm not calling back. <laughs> I, think, I don't think he realizes calling back is an hour, you know? And it was, it was like 4.35 and... So I'm just frustrated with practitioner priority service, not only because I can't get through, but when I do get through, I think you're more than likely going to get a newly trained phone operator. I'm guessing they moved a lot of the seasoned operators over to the main lines. That's the only thing I can think of. So I pretty much call every day and get the rejection. And when I do get through, it's a long wait with mixed success so i need you to teach me some tricks will i don't really have tricks to be honest i haven't tried the thing calling early in the morning still rejected call late at night still rejected it's hit or miss i i just randomly just said i'm gonna call at 2 p.m and got through which doesn't make any sense to me but it is what it is i'm sure other people are experiencing it yeah i mean frankly this is something that that's come up a lot of times that it that there are people who swear by calling first thing in the morning calling at the end of the day i mean that practitioner priority service is open like seven to seven local time but yeah i mean i i don't know you know like you said if, if that one person it was the end of the day so he was wanting to to finish or that he he truly was having computer issues, but I mean I don't I don't know if the certain people at the IRS understand just how difficult it is in in working with with them because I mean yeah like like we've been saying trying to call the IRS and get something taken care of for a client can mean hours you know on the phone and. And like I said, you know, sometimes you get cut off. I mean, it's the the frustration level gets pretty high. And I mean, I don't know. There there have been statistics presented, and I don't know that there's you know that it's great in what what they're trying to do to address the problem. I mean, like you mentioned, well, yeah. I mean, frankly, I've I've had people that I've talked to that they seem very fresh in in what they're what they're doing at the IRS it, it it sounded like you've had the same experience like i i pulled up an article just from this march about the IRS the the title is from politico IRS aims to hire 10,000 workers to reduce crippling mail backlog and yeah from from what i've heard for one there there was the thing about whether the IRS can move funding from one place to another, as that's part of the problem. Another is that the IRS on the phones, when they are during times of of disasters, that they get diverted from answering the phones to answering calls for FEMA is one thing. And, and another is that, like, my understanding is that they're normally dealing with the correspondence and then when they get a call they're pulled away to do that so i mean i 
I, I guess I don't I don't want to be armchair quarterback, but it just seems like people get pulled in all kinds of directions or they're they're not trained or or something. And so even when we do connect with someone, it just it just doesn't feel like great customer service. And then they're getting pulled away from dealing with the correspondence, which is totally backed up. I can always tell by the the CAF authentication process if they are new or not. Because sometimes they ask, they, they get completely off track try, trying to verify the 2840 because it's a very you know linear process usually. And sometimes you get people that just completely skip some sections. And I think, wow, this person didn't ask me my social, my birthday. <laughs> Yeah, so, which I'm which I'm totally fine with, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also kind of like, okay, okay, are, are how new are you now? Yeah, yeah. But I believe there's something that you want to talk about. Well, it's that time of year for the LATC grant report, so I I don't know that I have too many new things, but I I, I think it's worth revisiting that. Okay, the last. The last round was the interim report, and that one was the A, K, L, and N forms. So the, yeah, only only covering the first six months, but then this year it is, well, adding the B and C forms and the FFR slash 425 form. So, yeah, this is from the forms 13424. But anyway, I was just reviewing different things and I thought I thought it would be worth discussing like prepping for the form or for the for the grant report that here at Legal Aid of West Missouri, like they've been using a spreadsheet and and so we update it from from each report and and so it's since each report is looking at a different six month period, then it's it's reviewing things to see is is all the material updated. So I've been looking at the physical files to see, okay, what paperwork is in those for the six month period. So I'm even though it's a year end report for 2021, I'm looking specifically what needs to be updated for July through December for some of those periods. And then also looking at our computer case notes to see what has what needs updated for those months. But yeah, frankly, I have I've more tips for the grant report to give this episode than than for PPS. But like for the technical consultations, I either keep the email and put that in a folder with my emails or I keep a note in a folder about those and then and then at grant report time I take that out and review it but yeah it's honestly it was a little easier when I was the only one working the cases previously but but now I've been a little bit more with more of a team here and so checking to see what else other people did when it comes to 
all of the different activities that that we're supposed to be doing through, during that period. So a matter of checking on the education and outreach, what what presentations were made, and then looking at things like the articles or the CLE presentations or whichever, like we were corresponding about podcast episodes. And, and so I was letting you know about downloads for this podcast, that, that that's another thing that can be tracked on the report. So I don't know, it's a pretty good amount of, of capturing the data and, and updating the spreadsheet. And um, there's also a narrative. So I don't know, there, there was a LITC networking conference call where another clinician was, was kind of venting about all of the different man hours put into the grant report. And, and I think it's a valid point that, that there's, it is a bigger grant report that it's, it's like 10 pages, not counting the budgets and the, the financial pieces and other grant reports that I've, I've heard about as being like one or two pages. So we are tracking a lot of data in as, as clinic directors on a LITC grant report. And it does take a good amount of, of hours to, to do everything. And I mean, if, if you are being diligent in updating your report, it, it does take time to, to review the cases and verify the different case issues. So, I mean, sometimes I feel a little guilty about not doing that casework that, that I'm actually just reviewing the cases, but it's part of the job. Yes, it is. I think it's kind of fun to see the numbers and see, look back and see the, the work completed and Hopefully there's a lot of good outcomes that you, you come across a case and you're like, oh, I remember that case. That, that, was, that was awesome. So there are some things that I actually like about the grant reporting, but it, it is something that you do have to block out time for. Yeah, I, I do block out, try and block out a decent amount of time during that month, just, just making sure it gets done. And, you know, honestly, this month I've, I've been pulled away to other things. And, and so I'm, you know, trying to dedicate time to it this week, but I mean, it's, it takes work to, to do the report. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to do great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more of a pass fail type grade. So. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I think it's kind of hard to fail. Yeah. Well, I think the failures are like, I mean, maybe not a failure, but like certainly if you need to to fix different things on the report that it, it got returned back to you, like, I mean, it, and it certainly depends on on how picky they're being, but, you know, I'm sure if, but yeah, it is, it is like a, a pass fail kind of thing that, you know, definitely if they were saying like, okay, we're pulling your funding, you know, then you failed. <laughs> so You have a major problem. <laughs> All jokes aside, in four or five months, they're probably going to come after me because now I'm sounding too confident. I'm going to make some mistake and they're going to say, Andrew, this doesn't make any sense. You have to redo it all. Like, ah, I should have done it the first time. 
Yeah. Gonna open my mouth. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I think, I, I think, you know, really, in in the joking aside, that that I, I think the the administration they do want the clinics to succeed, so they want to work with us to make sure that that we're doing the best we can. So I, I think that's part of it that we can do kind of a, a status check with them and, and they can look at our report and see, okay, yes, this is how they're doing this, you know, what numbers have gone up or down in the meantime. And, and so do we need to have a, a serious talk with them or not? So. You know. And they, yeah, they do circle back. I remember last year I started here at Judy Care and March a week before the report was due, just so that there was some LITC, someone who was familiar with LITC reviewing the, the grant report, looked through it and I said, oh, this needs to be corrected, corrected, corrected. Like I, I made all the corrections and they did follow up and after a couple of months and said, we need you to make this correction because your year-end report has less issues work than your mid-year report. And so then I explained like, I came in and reviewed everything and realized there's a couple counting errors and they were they were completely cool with it as long as you had an explanation and explain and do the best that you can so it's really like you said you there's not really a fail it's a try try harder or something I, I don't know how to put it yeah yeah I mean I I don't know right how that correlates but but yeah definitely the fail is okay your your clinic is closed <laughs> so <laughs> And I mean, it's, the year-end report, I think, is probably pretty, a little bit easier because you already have, should have half the year completed. So you can work off of that. And then there's certain numbers that, that you know at, at the year-end mark, you know how many cases are opened. You can plug that number in right away. You should know how many cases were closed in, in that year. So you can plug that number in right away. And then you just kind of figure out how many were opened from that because all the numbers just add up to each other and then you can just build off of your the issues work the, the areas work from the mid-year report and magic well yeah i mean that's that's definitely a good point that that it is always useful to look at the last report and see okay what what is listed there and you know you you can edit or or throw out what was there before but but you at least have a starting point a you know a foundation of of what needs to be changed and i mean i don't know that there's too much of copied verbatim from one thing to the next but i mean it you can be you know at least keep a consistency if if that is the area that that you're looking at or realize oh, okay yes there was some turnover or or something that that needs to be updated you know for sure but but yeah it that is a thing that that i do start with the old one and, and just say okay here's where we were what what needs to be updated and but yeah i'm i guess i'm in in the case review process and so it's it takes some looking at at all of the cases and and so that that can feel a little daunting at, at when when you're in it, but yeah, I'm 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 getting through it. And then some tricks I, I know some tricks I learned. If you if the the issues for offer and compromise should always match 
the areas worked offering compromise. You should never have worked on an issue, an offering compromise, and not sent it to the offering compromise unit. So right. Right. things like that need to match. Then filing compliance and collection compliance. They can't. They can't be greater than the number of cases closed. A lot of different things that you can just kind of look at and be like, okay, yes, this makes sense. This makes oh, this doesn't make sense. I'm getting kind of excited for this now. You gave me excited, Will. Nice. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Let's let's get back and do that grant report. So yeah, we should probably end this before it gets weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, too late, Andrew. But okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, well, thanks for, for discussing and, you know, good to see you again. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure, yeah. William Smith. <laughs> sure. Thank you. Thank you, Director Belter. So for everyone tuning in, if you have a grant report due, good luck with that. And otherwise, good luck with the tax season and assisting your tax controversy clients. So have a good day. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.